Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us today as we talk about issues. Paul was an honest man who talked about the issues he struggled with in his life. Now, sometimes when you come to know God, people think you're spiritual, you're perfect, don't have any problems. Not so. Paul was clear, honest and open about it. In Romans chapter seven, he takes us on a journey to say, hey, listen, even people who love God have issues. And I want to show you how that works. Stay right there, right here on demand. It's going to be a great word for you. Don't you leave. Stay right there. Hey, glad to have you back. Listen, we're going to talk about issues today, and uh, I'm really excited today about the um, topic because it's one of those honest moments. Uh, it's so easy to not be honest as a believer. You can get into this um, I know God thing and you can get to this place where you're not really candid. And so you can pretend that your life is perfect. You know, we always dream to get into this place of perfection. Everything is together. I have no problems. My world is wonderful. And the reality is, nah, you got problems. <laughs> you have issues. Even though you're striving to do things right, things come up in your life, things come up that frustrate you. And I want to take you on a journey and talk about how you can become stuck and distracted by the issues in your life. Now, I, I could have called it sins, but that can throw you because you go, what do you mean by that? You know, so let's not call it that. Let's call it issues. And then there are times, you know, by the way, this point of definition, a sin basically is something that harms you, something that's not good for you. It's poison to your life. And so God says, I don't do that. That's bad for you. No, don't, don't, don't say that. That's bad for you. Don't think that. That's bad for you. And it's all about helping you be better. This is part three in our study. And we kind of walked our way through quite a few issues uh, in this whole issue of being stuck, how children can get you stuck. We talked about that. And we talked about how politics can get you stuck. If you missed that one, go back and listen to that one. And uh, we talked about how you can get stuck in your life now with the issues of your life. So Galatians chapter five is our launching verse for the series. So let me read it for you again. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled. Keyword again with the yoke of bondage. When I did the series, I thought about calling it stuck and distracted again and again and again, because it's so easy for you to repeat the same mistakes. Now, I'm going to take you to like three passages of scripture in our study today. And the goal of these passages is to show you how it works and how you get stuck. The first one I just read to you was in Galatians chapter five, verse one. Now I want to go to Romans chapter seven, which is when I want to jump into a conversation Paul is having with the Roman church. Now, Rome is a place with a whole lot of looseness and immorality and I mean, anything you could think of, they did in Rome. Rome is amazing. I've been there. It's a great city. Um, one of my wife's favorite places to go, by the way. But I, I believe that when you go uh, to Rome and you feel the ambiance and you feel the power and you look at the history and you go to the Colosseum and you realize how many people are killed there every week and the, uh, you know, the uh, amazing um, ambiance of, the, of the, the whole city uh, leaves you with a sense of awe. But it also reveals in its history a sense of struggle. So you had a lot of Christians who were serving God, but they were struggling and they were trying to come out of their old lives, trying to walk into a new life. And Paul described for them his journey with struggle because he knew they were struggling. So he's not talking down to them. He's talking to them. So I want you to watch with me what he says in verse uh, 14 of Romans chapter seven. He described himself, first of all, as a slave to sin. I want you to listen to that language. He described himself as a slave to sin, to issues. Uh, verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, 
sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Stop there. Notice this. He's a guy who says, I, I got a problem. And he describes himself as having not just a problem, a sinful nature. I'm not just a guy with a problem. He said, I've got a na- I naturally do this. This is not something that, that I do part time. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I, listen to this now, who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Is that not pointed? He said, listen, I'm telling you, I got a problem. And it's it's resident in me. It's not like it kind of visits and goes away. I am doing stuff that I know I shouldn't do, and I seem to naturally enjoy doing it. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Pretty honest. Thirdly, he described himself as living in a constant fight with himself. He said this in verse, chapter 7, verse 21. He said, for, for I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right with, there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and work at work within me. One more verse. What a wretched man I am. Here's the question. Look at me for a second. Who's who's going to rescue me, he said. Who's going to rescue me from this? Who's going to rescue me? Who's going to free me from this? And he goes on, verse 27, 28, and says, Christ. Christ is going to deliver me. This is the guy who admits, I am, I am, I'm I'm toast. I am so messed up. Now, I want to tell you something. (laughs) If you can get a person to admit transparently where they are, I think you can change their life. I think this is incredibly honest. If a person can say, I'm really um, a person who needs help because I enjoy this and it's not good for me. That's what Paul is saying. He says, I need to be rescued from this. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? In verse 24, thanks be to God, he says, who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who delivers me. Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, the only person that can free me is Christ. I I can't free myself. And you'll see more about that in just a minute. But that is the most important thing I've ever learned. Because when I first came to Christ, you know, I, I was around a whole bunch of wonderful people, by the way. Many are watching today. And they were, they were really encouraging. And they told me, you know, live right, do this, do that. But there are a lot of things that we were supposed to, quote, stop doing, because now we came to God, that were just hard to stop doing because they were fun to do. You say it's fun? Yeah, sin can be fun. Even David said it, joys of sin, pleasures of sin, great, great for a season. And there were seasons when, you know, it's fun. I mean, if you meet somebody, you want to go out with them, you, you know, you fall in, you, you, know, you like them, they like you, you grown, they grown. Or, you know, hey, nobody here, nobody there. Why not, you know, go all the way down the river? What do you mean by that? Well, just look it up in the dictionary. Ask your neighbor what you think that means. <laughs> Uh, whatever comes in your mind, you feel you want to be free to watch what you want to watch, do what you want to do. And so when I came to Christ and I started having these additional guidelines and things that I maybe shouldn't say or shouldn't do or certain, you know, whatever, there's a long list. And I'll read 
some of that to you in a minute. I found it to be conflicting. Now, one of the things about the book of Romans is you can read this and you can be very legalistic, which means you can, you know, make, all, make it all about, all right, you need to do right, you need to obey God. And, and I, I understand that kind of preaching because, you know, you need to stop and, and go into hell and all that. But see, Paul says uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it really doesn't. It, it, you can make people feel guilty. You can make people feel bad. But change does not come through just harshly talking to people. And if you got kids, you learn that. You can you know, scare them up for a little while, but as they get older, they become unscared of you. And they go back to them. They become worse sometimes because you didn't give them the tools they needed. And one of the things that I think we don't do in church is we don't give people the tools they need. You know, give people the religious environment sometimes doesn't give you the tools to be victorious. And Paul's first example to us is transparency. So if you want to be free, the first thing I want you to learn is you have to be transparent. Admit your issues and your desires. Say, hey, I've got a problem. Let me admit this. I have a problem. I like this. I enjoy this. And it's not good for me. You're never going to get anywhere in life if you're not honest. So let me read Galatians chapter five. Another verse I want to take you to. This is the third verse. I may throw in a fourth one in just a minute, but Galatians chapter five, verse 16 is a great place. He says, so I walk by the spirit. Watch this now. So he said, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, let me want you to follow me. The only thing, the way you're going to ever be free is you walk with the spirit. Now, what that means is you put your foot where he puts his. He goes one step, you go one step. You, you, you find out what, the Holy, what, what God's will is for your life, and you decide, I'm going to walk with that. That doesn't mean you walk like this, you know, with some look on your face. I don't know how we think this is spiritual. This is just closing your eyes and lifting your hand up. This is not spiritual. This is, a, <laughs> this is nice, but this is not what spiritual means. The idea of walking with the spirit, and the word spirit, pneuma in the Greek, is really, you have to understand, he's a person. He's he's a it's walking. Literally, what he's saying is walking with God, where God puts his foot, what God's example. It's like a parent, any friend of yours in your life. If it's your brother, big brother, you, you walk with your big brother. You put your foot where he puts his foot. You behave like him. So he says, I want you to walk in the spirit. And he says this, you will not gratify then the desires of the flesh. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They, are conf they conflict with each other so that you do not uh, do whatever you want. Now, let me stop right there for a minute. Now, a lot of times when you hear this conversation, especially in, with religious people, they use terms and you don't know what they mean. You know, walk in the spirit. What does that mean? You know, like this. Right? That's what they mean. No, it doesn't mean that. It means you basically walk in agreement. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a calling to... Find a better example. Find a better model. And he says, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, will be in your life, and he wants you to follow his presence in your life. And I, I love the way he words it. Paul says there is literally God's Holy Spirit, Spirit, presence in your life that will, that will give you guidance. Now, the, the question is, are you willing to follow it? Are you willing to follow that prompting, that guide that he'll give you? Now, he said, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't have to worry about it. But that's what he promises you. 
Now, this can really get you um, a little bit confused if you're not careful because most people don't really understand how this works because I've been in church for many years now and I've, I've found myself, when I'm trying to explain this to people, they, they assume that it, it's about singing in church, it's about um, going to church. I'm not talking about that. Walking in the Spirit is not going to church. Being led by the Spirit is not, being, not coming in here and singing. All that's fine. And there's a good spiritual experience when you do that. But it's more than that. It's in the privacy of your life. You decide, I'm not going to follow my natural leanings when I know they're wrong for me. The ones that Paul described. I know this is a, and I'm going to give you a list in a minute. There's a list of fleshly things. And the word flesh does not mean your skin. It's talking about your natural tendencies, the things that you would crave, your cravings, call it that, your cravings, that are not healthy for you. For example, you know sleeping around is not healthy for you, but it's hard not to because you just enjoy the company. Or you know that lying isn't good for you, but you lied to make yourself look good, and you just, not, you just, not, you just tend to do it without thought. Being angry is not a good thing, but because somebody makes you mad, you just tend to go with how you feel. And so there's a list of things that he's going to give and he's going to say, matter of fact, 15 things he's going to list and say, these are all things that are problems in your life. And they are driven by your natural flesh, your natural desire, your natural tendency. And what you have to do is admit you have a challenge with that. Then secondly, you got to admit you can't do it alone. You have to say, I cannot fix this on my own. If I try to fix it on my own, it, it will not work because I like doing it. Here's why you can't fix it. You like doing it. Cussing somebody out when you're mad, hey, this feels good. Let me cuss them out real good. You blank, blank, and you and your mama. You know, you, just wanna, you, know, you feel good about it. It may not end up well for you, but there is a sense of fulfillment. And if you can admit, I like that. I enjoy the power of it. I, I like the way it comes out. I like it. And that's why some of you can't hardly talk without doing it. You know, it's just part of your, what you made part of your life. And so here's what Jesus is saying. I want to show you a new way to walk. Instead of walking that way, I want you to walk with me. I want to change your language. I want to change the things that you do that are not healthy for you. Now, let me give you a verse in, a, in chapter uh, 5, verse 22. And he shows us how this works. And this is an important principle. Let me read it for you. It's in Matthew 5.22. He says, I'm sorry, Matthew, I'm sorry, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I want to stop right there. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm going to stop right there. Now, I'm not going to put the verses back up. I want you to just hear me for a minute. I want you to just hear what I'm going to say. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's Galatians 5.22. A little bit of a Greek lesson here. The whole idea of what's called the genitive case in Greek is that it shows possession, like our apostrophe S does. So if you said it's Ricky's house, it would be Ricky apostrophe S, right? Right? Ricky's house. Uh, Dave's house. There's something about understanding who is your house. It shows that you possess it. In the Greek, that's what's happening here. The fruit of the spirit Numa, spirit, in that, in that context. That word spirit is in the genitive case. It's showing that you, that the spirit is, is the owner of the work. The fruit of the spirit 
is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that you have that I'm going to list. Love, joy, peace, kindness, all the good stuff. That comes as a result of the Spirit working in your life. So you walk with the Spirit. You, 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 enter, you enter into a relationship with God. And as you walk with Him, He builds fruit, grows fruit in your life. And the fruit He grows is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the whole list of things in Galatians 5. You have to realize you can't make that happen. Now, what we try to tell people sometimes in church is what you got to do is pray, pray and God will. God will. You'll get stronger and, and, and you'll make yourself stronger. Well, really what happens is he works in your life. You invite him into your life. You walk with him. Right. And as he walks with you and, and you interact with him out of that relationship, you become more loving, more, more merciful, kinder. That's the result of walking with God. So if you really want to give credit, you have to give credit to him. The transformation in your life happens because you you come to him, admit you can't do it on your own, admit you have an issue, admit you're you're struggling. And then you you allow him to work in your life and you change. The longer you walk with God, you become more patient, kinder, gentler and all that. I've seen this in marriages. I've seen people go to church, right? They come to church together. They're married. They think because we're married, we're going to be fine. You know, everything's going to be great uh, because we're all on staff and we all work for God in the church. We're going to all get along. Not true. If everybody is not walking with God and allowing him to, to, to grow inside of their life, in other words, their habits, their attitudes, the closer I get to him, the more I engage. That's why I believe in prayer. I believe in devotion. I believe in worship. I believe in all that. That's all part of me walking with God. The walk strengthens my life, the fruit of the spirit, the result of the spirit's work in my life. The result of walking with God is I become kinder, I'm nicer, better. The fruit of the spirit shows up. Goodness, faithfulness, forbearance, peace, joy. All that's a result of me walking with him. Now, if you walk in the flesh, on the other hand, that doesn't happen. So if I walk in the flesh, everything tends to fall apart. And he gives me a long list of issues that tends to happen. And I want to jump ahead a little bit and I want to give you the 15 Galatians 5, 19 through 21. There are a list of 15 things I'm just going to quickly read. If you don't walk with God, here's what will happen. First of all, he said at the top of the list is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, dis discord, jealousy, fits of rage, you'd be out of control, selfish ambition, dissensions, uh, factions, envy, drunkenness. Then he says something amazing, orgies. Wow, orgies. You know what that is? Look it up. Hey, listen, that is amazing to me. The list of things he says will happen in your life. And this was written to Christians. So I want you to think about this for a minute. The, the orgies threw me. I went, oh, wow, that's on the list. You will have no sexual restraint. Notice he says at the top of the list and at the bottom of the list is sexual challenges. Your sexual attitudes will drive you away from God. You will not, you will not, if you, if you submit to the flesh, your natural tendencies, that's where you will land. Jealousy, fits of rage, you'll be out of control, be cussing people out, be fighting. If you look at your life and say, what does my life look like? Does it look like this list 
Or does it look like verse 22 through about verse 24? We talked about love, joy, peace, kindness, forgiveness, forbearance. Or is it more like this other list? And I can tell you what that teaches me when I see it. Who are you walking with? Where are you walking? There's, there's no way that you're going to get free from any of these issues if you walk this way. It's really, it's really important. I used to think that if you went to church and you read the Bible and you said you were saved, you came to the altar and you said some confessing words, I hereby receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I give him my heart, that that would just change you. It doesn't if you don't walk with him. Those are just words. I think it's important for you to make that big decision. And Paul talks about this as my final verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul, Paul kind of he kind of says something really simple. If you're going to change, you're going to have to find better options. You're going to have to find something better to do. Verse 14, he says, this is 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That's all I want to read. Stop right there. I want you to be careful who you yoke with. You're going to have to find other options. Because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to yoke with God, but I'm walking with people on a daily basis who pull me away from God. I'm not going to get there. Now, in the context of this verse, he's talking about being yoked together with unbelievers. He's talking about relationships. What agreement have God with Baal? He says there's no agreement. It's a great read on your own. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And it's a really wonderful conversation about how you've got to just make some other choices. If you don't make those choices, it's not going to happen. I want to read it to you. Let me read the whole verse to you. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal, which is a false god in those days? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, here's what he's saying. This is pretty strong stuff. He says, you got to make a decision who you're walking with. Now, I'm not saying you can't be around people who don't know God. I'm not saying you can't you only be around Christians. I'm not saying any of that. And that's not the point. The point is, he said, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your life, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make better options, better choices. You've got to find better options. If you, if you continue to walk in this environment and you don't walk with God more than you walk in that environment, that environment will pull you away from God. And that's what happens. I have... I have to decide every day where I'm going to walk, what's going to be important to me. If I'm not careful, it will become impossible for me. Then secondly, you got to find better influences. I love verse 17. It's pretty powerful. He says, come out from amongst them and be separate. Come out from amongst them and be separate. And, 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 and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. There's something about finding influences in your life. You've got to find, you've got to find the courage to say, this is a bad influence for me. Maybe a good person. This may be means they're great people. But for me, as long as I'm in here, I'm going to be doing drugs. As long as I'm in this environment, I'm going to be sleeping around. I'm going to be in orgies. I'm going to be in all kinds of stuff. So you keep talking about orgies. I'm sorry. It's in the Bible. I apologize. But he says, you're going to, your, your top and bottom issue it's going to be sexual. You're going to end up in rage, anger, jealousy, all that stuff he mentions. And a lot of it's driven by the struggle you have because you are in places that are influencing your flesh, not your spirit to grow. You know, I, I, I struggle with this. 
But go, I go back to Paul in Romans. Paul accepted the truth about his sinful potential. And he said, hey, I'm telling you what I'll do. He says it again, let me read for you one more time. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. I don't understand myself. But he kept saying, I know what I'll do. I'll end up doing what I hate doing. And I want you to think about this for a minute. If you keep walking and living in the same place, having the same issues, could it be where you're walking? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Very simply, you got to make some other choices, different rituals, different routines. And sometimes you have to pull away from people who are sincere but can't help you get to where you want to be in life. It's not easy to be different. I know that. It's not easy to be bold and step out, but you got to decide what you want in your life. I made a decision for me. Ricky Temple wants to be different. I want God's hand on my life. I want God's blessing on my life. I don't want to have certain things in my life. I've decided I don't have to have them in my life. I can love people and say no. Hey, I'm not joining in that today. No, I'm not doing that. You know, people have asked me, why don't I drink um, alcohol? Ah, my answer is always this. I like it too much. Yes, I will. I'm high enough on my own. I don't need any help. I don't do drugs. I don't do alcohol because I believe if I walk in that ritual, it will lead me astray. It has done that in my family. I've seen it over and over again. And I'm not saying I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't say I wouldn't like the buzz, even though I don't like being out of control. I like being in control. <laughs> I got this whole thing about, you know, not, I'm not a roller coaster rider because I don't know what's happening. You know, all that dipping. Oh, man, watch out. I don't like it. I like to be in control of myself. Sober thinking, the Bible says. I don't want anything to take me off the, off, off the dime. Off the, my, one of my friends called the dime off of my priorities. And I, I, I have seen people who are not honest. What is it that takes you off of your priorities? What is it that takes you away from walking with God? You have to be honest. And sometimes it's a person. Every time they come around, they just lead you to the place you don't need to be. And you have to say, hey, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Well, I thought we were tight. Yes, but you're going north. I'm trying to go south. Now, if you want to give up going where you plan to go and go with them, well, that's up to you. I've decided not to do that because I want to go where I want to go. I want my life to look a certain way, be a certain way. That's my desire. So here's what I want you to do. Look at your life issues. And I want you to say, am I a person who is stuck going in the wrong direction with the same issues over and over again? Am I distracted from doing what I'm supposed to do because I'm stuck and distracted with these issues, why don't I resolve these issues and go on with my life? You'd be surprised how much better your life can be. But I want to pray for you today, and I believe that this can be a moment for you to change your life direction. So let's pray. Father, I pray what we've talked about today in these few minutes has been helpful. May it lift their hearts and minds to a new place. May it give them another vision for what they can become. I pray, God, that as we get ready to go through the last sermon, we talk about how to be unstuck. I pray this message sticks in their souls and their hearts. Help them, help all of us to be honest about our issues and help us, Lord God, to let you help us change our direction. Now I also pray for those who have never given their lives to you, and maybe this is the, the moment they need to do that. Say, Lord, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Let this be that changing moment. I pray for them that this would be that transforming moment, and we give you all the praise and glory. 
Amen. Hey, look, it's a joy to have you. I appreciate you being with us. I pray that you would come and see us in person when you can. Love to have you. If you raised your hand, by the way, and said, hey, I want to give my life to Christ, there's something right there on the screen. You can reach out and say, hey, send me some information to help me start my life with Christ. We'd love to do that. And if you are ever, ever in need of prayer or have an issue you want us to pray about, feel my, email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Also want to say this to you. Thank you for being a part of our family, our digital family, and our in-person family. I want to encourage you, when you're in town, come Sundays, first and second Sunday, 9 and 11. That's first and second Sunday, 9 and 11. Remember, third Sunday, which is this Sunday, we have a special men's service. And this is our special event Sunday on third Sunday. So last month was young adults. This Sunday, we're going to have men only in the church. That's right, it's 11 o'clock. So men, come on, get up. Brothers, come on out with us. It's going to be great. It's going to be a powerful time. I have a great teaching you don't want to miss. A great time of fellowship. It's going to be just flat out good. So I'll see you then on third Sunday right here, brothers. Come hang out with us, and we really want to see you. So having said all that, I want to encourage you to walk in victory. Remember to face your issues head on. Don't deny them. Be honest about it and, and walk where you want to go. Walk where you want to go. If you don't want to go in that direction, turn around and go the other way and watch your life change. I'll see you next time. Have a great day. Be back next week as I talk to you about how you can get unstuck and focused. That's a really good one. You don't want to miss that. See you next time. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you got that final point. You've got to accept the truth about your issues. And I want to tell you, the long list in Galatians gives us a clear picture that we believers can struggle too. So I want to challenge you to pray with me right now. Let's believe that God can help you through those issues. Father, I thank you for those who've heard the message today. May it lift their hearts and their spirit, give them wisdom and grace. We thank you for the hand of God upon them. We thank you for the power of the word that makes life worth living. Give them the strength to climb over their flesh, climb over their old nature, climb over the, what they used to be to become what they should be now. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I hope you were blessed today. If the word blessed you, link it, send it to a friend, and let it bless them too. I'll see you next time. Ready we continue our study on stuck and distracted. You don't want to miss the close of this. Got some good stuff to show you how to get unstuck and help your life be better. See you next time.